0: We'll be in 2 Chronicles 9 and 1 Kings 10 tonight. And we've come to that part that describes the pinnacle of Solomon's reign as the king of Israel. One thing to keep in mind is that he is the king of a theocratic kingdom. And of course, at the top of everyone's list is the, the honor that is paid and the worship that is offered to Yahweh, the great, true, and living God. Another thing to, re, to be reminded of is that <clears throat> within the purpose And plan of God for mankind. We are headed. Toward. A glorious kingdom an eternal kingdom. And the one who sits on the throne of that eternal kingdom is son of David. Son of God he's the Messiah. And his kingdom is described even in the prophets as a kingdom of of peace and glory. And we see in the revelation how that kings of nations bring their glory and stream into Jerusalem in the millennial kingdom to receive the blessing of and instruction from this great king of kings, the Messiah. We sort of have that illustrated and typified here when we look at this part of Solomon's reign. And as we get to that, we will, I'll, <clears throat> I'll just draw our attention to it. But the first part that we study is the account of the visit from the queen of Sheba, Shavah, the queen of Sheba. Beginning in verse 1, second Chronicles 9, the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame. Now there are, uh, and I told you this I think last time, there are three basic elements that are presented here in the time of Solomon. Worship, the house of God, the house of Yahweh, the temple is built. Wisdom, God grants Wisdom to Solomon and wealth. Solomon attains wealth unknown by any other leader or king or anybody in history. So, having heard of Solomon's fame, she came to test Solomon with hard questions in Jerusalem with an exceedingly large retinue. Okay, so she would have had within her retinue, I'm sure she would have had well-learned men. Historically, not a lot is known about this queen of Sheba. It is generally believed and accepted that Sheba is a part of or joined with Ethiopia in its day. So drawing upon clay artifacts and and historical data that's available extra biblically, uh, some things are surmised about the Queen of Sheba. Number one, that she herself, and it becomes obvious in the text, is a is a person who seeks knowledge and um, has questions that she wants answered that she's never had answered and that she is also surrounded by the wise men of her area, experts in various fields of study. Obviously, they would have been with her and so their questions, which would have been difficult questions, would have been offered through the queen to Solomon. And we've already studied and we've drawn some on Ecclesiastes in a description of Solomon. That Solomon was a scholar in the highest sense of everything that he sought to study. And he applies this knowledge to the building of his kingdom and his people um, regardless of what uh, science or study it was when Solomon and he says so in Ecclesiastes when he applied himself to that particular area of study he became a master of it so this is at the pinnacle of his reign and Solomon is a well-learned man. So when she asks hard questions, he's already been there. He's already studied it. He already understands it. And he offers the answer. So it says, she came to test him with hard questions. And in Jerusalem, there in a Jerusalem with an exceedingly large retinue with camels, bearing spices and gold in abundance and precious stones. And she came to Solomon and spoke with him all that was in her heart. Now, it cannot be denied that in the world there, anyway, the power of the God of Israel was well known. The, the writings uh, that have been given, the exploits of David, and now the work of Solomon. All of which is attributed to Yahweh. And the common denominator between all of these, like, from the Exodus onward, would be the God of Israel. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Yahweh. She has questions. Verse 2. And Solomon answered all of her questions. And nothing was hidden from Solomon that he did not tell her. So, he freely answered all of her questions. The Queen of Sheba saw Solomon's wisdom, and the house that he built—that would have been the temple—and uh, we should be reminded that it was, at that moment, at that point in time, the most glorious structure the world had ever seen. Now, here are some depictions of the Queen of Sheba. Um. I don't know her, I didn't know her, but uh, there she is, I guess, I don't know. That's what some people say she would have looked like. I had a picture of an actual queen of an area that used to be Sheba, and maybe I should have put it on there, but it was, a, it was an African lady, um, but she, she was bald-headed, she had all of her hair shaved off. Uh, And that was one of the marks of her royalty. So this woman comes and the reason they depict her like these first two pictures, especially like this, is because apparently her kingdom was wealthy. Nothing in comparison to Israel. Israel. But she would have made an appearance, obviously, that would have reflected the glory of her kingdom. And that's why she is so awe-stricken when she comes into Israel and then, of course, is in the presence of Solomon. And we'll see why as we go through the scriptures here. Uh, Because as, as glorious as she would have been attired, knowing that because of the wonderful gifts that she brought it still can't compare in any way uh, to Solomon. Verse four, and the food of his table and the seating of his servants and the station of his attendants and their attire and his cupbearers and their attire and his ascent by which he would go up to the temple of Yahweh. She lost her breath. She was breathless. Everything that she saw was more splendid than anything that she could have imagined. As a matter of fact, she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in my country of your deeds and of your wisdom. But I did not believe their words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And behold, not half of your abundant wisdom was told me. You have wisdom in excess of the report that I heard. So she has she has no words that she can use to describe how she is overwhelmed with the presence of the king, the wisdom of the king, the wealth of the king and the wealth of his nation. Blessed are your men and blessed are these your servants Who always stand before you and listen to your wisdom. Remember that because I have another uh, graphic here in a minute. Blessed be Yahweh your God, their God. Who desired you to place you on his throne to be king for Yahweh their God because of their God's love for Israel. To establish them forever forever. And he appointed you as king over them to do justice and righteousness. This queen is well versed in the theology of Israel's God, Yahweh, the God of gods. Look at the words that she used uh, and how she applies it and applies her statement Yahweh, the great sovereign God, appointed you uh, to be king, his love for Israel, to establish them forever. And indeed, that's a covenant that's given in the Old Testament. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold and very abundant spices and precious stones. There were never such spices as those that the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. And also Huram's servants and Solomon's servants, who brought gold from Ophir, brought algum wood and precious stones. And Solomon made of the algum wood a path to the house of Yahweh. This is the finest wood in the world. And to the king's palace. And you remember, we looked at it uh, some weeks ago, the proximity of Solomon's palace uh, to, the, to the temple. And harps and psalteries for the singers, none like them had been seen before in the land of Judah. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all her wish that she requested. Aside from that, which she also brought to the king, and she turned and went to her land, she and her servants. Now let me go back here and look at verse 12. It doesn't say that he gave her stuff. She, she had enough stuff, obviously. She was giving a lot of it away. What is being said is that she knew prosperity for her kingdom and her people, especially with regard to world trade as it existed then, had to go through Israel. So obviously what's being talked about here is a treaty or an alliance of an agreement uh, that could be made so that she could be she could have she and the people who would trade in behalf of her kingdom would have some kind of preferential uh, treatment um, as as the trade would be made. So she enters into an alliance. She came with a request, a desire for a very special status uh, especially with regard to trade with other kingdoms and nations, and he granted it to her because if you will remember some time back we already saw and this really was established by King David, the major caravan and, and uh, trade routes of the world had to pass most of them had to pass through Israel. Uh, not only that, but uh, the greatest Merchant Marine in that day existed by using the finest ships in the world in that day that Haram built. That's what his people specialized in. So by land and by sea, Solomon controlled pretty much the trade of the world as they understood it in their day. And she wanted, she wanted um, special treatment in an alliance. So it says here, whatever she requested, he gave it to her. Now here's how First Kings reads that portion or presents that portion. When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame because of the name of Yahweh, she came to test him with hard questions. There were two things that she was interested in seeing. Number one, his wisdom, and number two, his wealth. But there's a third one that we talked about within the last couple of times when we discussed this, and that was worship. The three things that were very important elements in the reign of Solomon, worship, wealth, and wisdom. And all of that, of course, was provided to and directed toward Yahweh. And because, now this would be a... The... The trade that would pass through Israel from all points and make its way to other parts of the world would be, would exist because of agreements that Solomon had with other kings and other rulers and other leaders. And that meant that a portion of whatever passed through his nation belong to him, a a small percentage, but he would protect them. He would guarantee their safety. Uh, He would make sure that they could move swiftly and quickly and safely from one point to the next. And because they were going through Israel, they paid a tribute to the king. So he's essentially getting a piece of the action from every nation in the world, in his world, In that day we have also we've also seen earlier that he was the king of kings in that he allowed the kings to continue to be kings in their lands which they were lesser and smaller nations Um, but they would they would owe abeyance to him and he would he would have part of anything that the nation would take in as its gross national Product. So you can see how through his um, savvy, his wisdom, his leadership skills, uh, all, of, all of this went to work as he was receiving some of everything that everybody had. Uh, he, was, he was receiving and everybody else was giving. Verse 2, and she came to Jerusalem with a very large retinue, with camels bearing spices, very much gold and precious stones, when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him all that was in her heart. Now, this would, in my view, and well, let me read verse 3. Solomon answered all of her questions. Nothing was hidden from the king that he did not tell her. Surely, a, a large part of their discussion would be with regard to the greatness of Yahweh, the God. The true and living God, the God of Israel. Reflected in uh, the great house of worship, the temple that Solomon uh, had built to Yahweh, unlike anything in the world. And to just see his blessings, all she had to do was travel around in the nation of Israel. Because of all of this trade coming in and coming through Israel, there would be work for everybody to do. They would have inspectors. They would have accountants. They would have, of course, military personnel. um, They would have managers of various levels and officials of various levels and that the wealth that was being received was in some part being shared with uh, his people. And so his people were very prosperous. And that reflecting their prosperity, uh, she would see how they lived and how Solomon lived and all that went into Solomon's reign. So she had questions about that. She, I'm sure she had questions about world trade, or at least the world that they were in. Uh, international trade, if you want to put it that way. How, how he could help her. She would ask these questions, and he didn't, he didn't withhold anything uh, from her. And when the Queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom, and the house that he had built... And the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the station of his attendants and their attire and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he would go up to the temple of Yahweh. She was breathless. And she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in my country of your deeds and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And I have beheld that not even a half had been told to me. You have wisdom and prosperity in excess of that which I have heard. So the wisdom and the wealth which she came to examine for herself was far greater. And you know, when you tell people about somebody, there's always an embellishment there. People exaggerate, whatever. What she's saying is even, even with all of the embellishment, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't approach the standard of life that I've seen here. Blessed are your men, blessed are these, your servants who always stand before you and listen to your profound wisdom. Blessed be Yahweh, their God, who preferred to place you on the throne of Israel because of Yahweh's love for Israel forever He appointed you as king to do justice and righteousness. This woman has a grip on the Old Testament covenant with regard to Yahweh and Israel. And the blessing that Yahweh means for Israel to be to all of the rest of the world. She gave the king 120 talents of gold, very many spices, precious stones. And there had never arrived such an abundance of spices as those which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon, obviously, that was the the big part of their economy in her kingdom of Sheba. Also, Hiram's ships that delivered gold from Ophir brought from Ophir a huge quantity of almond wood and precious stones. And the king made of the almond wood a path to the house of Yahweh and to the king's palace. Harps and psalteries to accompany the vocalists. There had come no such amagwood, nor has there been seen such since to this day. And King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all her wish that she requested. Aside from what he gave her, according to King Solomon's ability. And she turned and went to her land and her servants. Now we move from that into a broader description of the wealth of Solomon. And we go back now to 2 Chronicles 9. And the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. That's a lot. Aside from that which the guides and the merchants would bring, and all the kings of Arabia and the regents of the land brought gold and silver to Solomon. Solomon. King Solomon made 200 shields of malleable gold. 600 malleable gold pieces would go into one shield. Now, if you can imagine the Queen of Sheba and his honor guard standing there and their their shields are made of this special gold polished like mirrors as they stood in their honor guard positions. Uh, close to the throne. King Solomon made 200 shields, uh, 600 malleable gold pieces would go into one shield. Now, 300 shields of malleable gold, 300 gold pieces would go into one shield. And Solomon placed them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. They They were to be used in a special way at special times. And the king made an immense ivory throne and overlaid it with pure gold. Now think about this. A throne made of ivory covered with the world's finest gold. There were six steps to the throne and the throne had a ramp of gold attached to the throne with armrests on either side by the place of the seat and two lions standing beside the armrests. Okay, so six steps to the throne from the court. And the whole thing is like gold and the ivory throne with overlaid with gold and the lions of pure gold. And then the two on either side, which were his armrests. Now, let's take a look at a depiction from a carving, an ancient carving of what the shields most likely looked like. So this is just one shield and there was a whole bunch of them. And this is pure gold. Now, this is for decoration. You wouldn't want to go to war with a, with a gold shield because brass would go through it. Iron would go through it. But it sure did look good when, when somebody would come and Solomon would impress people with his throne. Now, here's a depiction of his throne. That's the throne that's ivory covered in gold. Here are those golden lions and then up there one on either of his armrests as you see it and this is supposed to be his reception of the Queen of Sheba and she comes with all of these people bearing all of these gifts and they're going to land and there, there are the six, There, those are the six steps leading up and then he had these musicians and he had men of wisdom uh, and he had uh, his soldiers and and honor guards and so forth. So, taking measurements from, from the scriptures and other extra biblical descriptions and the description from the text as well, uh, the artist made his rendition of what surely the throne of King Solomon, who was known as King of Kings because other kings served him. Uh, and he was standing there in all of his glory uh, to receive the queen of Sheba. And 12 lions were standing there on the six steps on either side. We saw that. The like was not made for any kingdom. And all King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold. And all of the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of superior gold. Silver was not reckoned as anything in Solomon's time. Take that nasty silver and put it somewhere else. I don't want it. Give me the best gold. For the king had ships Going to Tarshish with Haram's servants once in three years, uh, ships of Tarshish would come bearing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. I don't know what he's going to do with the apes, but uh, now King Solomon transcended all the kings of the earth in affluence and in wisdom and all the kings of the earth sought Solomon's presence. Now let me think about that sought Solomon's presence to hear the wisdom with which Elohim had endowed him. This is like all of the leaders of the world coming to Biden for wisdom and help. I'll leave it there. Each one would bring his gift vessels of silver and vessels of gold, Garments, weapons, spices, horses, mules, the tribute due each year in its uh, its year. And Solomon had 4,000 stables of horses and chariots and 12,000 horsemen. And he placed them in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. As it turns out, Solomon is a horse trader, if you will the chariots and the horses as it, as it was were not that important of a piece of the military of uh, Israel. But he would take the finest horses in the world as gifts and the chariots of gold that were made and it would be like going to shop for a, a brand new armored personnel carrier or, or tank or something like that. And so he he made even more money uh, doing this. And he ruled over all the kings from the river to the land of the Philistines unto the border of Egypt. And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. And cedars he made as common as sycamores that are in the lowlands in abundance. And they brought horses for Solomon from Egypt and from all the lands. Okay, now these, there was a a depiction of these Egyptian Arabian horses uh, that someone made that would have been like what Solomon was given. These were supposed to have been the finest horses in the world. They're given to Solomon, and so he gets into the business of trading uh, with, uh, with these that are given to him. The weight of gold which came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. Aside from that which came through the merchants and the commerce of spice peddlers and all the dependent kings and the regents of the land, and King Solomon made 200 body shields of malleable gold, 600 dinar of gold he would put into one body shield, 300 shields of beaten gold, three manes, Of uh, that is 300 dinar of gold he would put into one shield and the king placed them in the house of the forest of Lebanon the king made an immense ivory throne and overlaid it with glittering gold there were six steps to the throne and the top of the throne was circular from behind and there were arms on both sides by the place of the seat and two lions standing beside the arms twelve lions stood there on six steps one on each side Uh, And on the other, no such throne was made for any kingdom. And all the king's drinking vessels were of gold. Utensils of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver, since it was reckoned as uh, nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king had at at sea ships of Tarshish, with Hiram's ships. Once in three years the ships of Tarshish would come bearing gold and silver, ivory and monkeys and peacocks. Now there were, there were uh, likenesses carved in clay of the ships of Tarshish. And this is what they, I don't know if you can see that very well or not. This is what they look like. And they would have been laden with, uh, with, with goods from other, uh, other, other kingdoms. That's not really bright enough to see. But there would be a fleet of them. They would stay fairly close to the coastline as they would make their trips from one place to another. And finally, it took so long, it would, it would be a long trip to go where they were going and then to come back and uh, to bring it all to King Solomon. Now, King Solomon transcended all the kings of the earth in affluence and wisdom. And all the inhabitants of the earth sought Solomon's presence to hear the wisdom with which God, Elohim, had endowed him, and each one would bring his gift vessels of silver, vessels of gold, garments, weapons, spices, horses and mules, the tribute due each year uh, in its year. Solomon assembled chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots and 12,000 horsemen, and he led them in the chariot cities with the king in Jerusalem. And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. So that tells you the standard of living that he brought to the people in his land, and cedars as common as sycamores that are in the lowlands in abundance. And the source of Solomon's horses was from Egypt and an assemblage that came from the, the agents of the king would buy the assemblage privileges for a price. So there he is, uh, selling and getting a, he would take them as gifts. This, is, this was the tribute that they owed the king, these lesser kings, and then he would take them and, and uh, sell them for a great profit. A chariot that went up and left Egypt went for a price of 600 silver pieces and a horse for 150. And so for all the kings of the Hittites and for the kings of Aram did they export them through them. These other nations counted more on chariots and horses than did Solomon's military. And so Solomon made it uh, a profitable business. Well, you get a little idea of the wealth and glory of King Solomon. Now, against that, we have to think of how uh, the great king of kings, the Messiah, in his kingdom will will be receiving the honor and the glory from all of the of the world's nations in those thousand years and uh, will give them teaching and blessing. And he has the power uh, to send them rain and whatever else that their people would be blessed with abundance. This is just to typify in a very small way of what is yet to come in the great kingdom. We're going to stop there and we'll have our deacon prayer time.